0: This is the Fix Sciatica Podcast. Can you believe it? 100 episodes. I cannot believe that two and a half years ago, I thought about starting a podcast and I did. And fast forward to now, I am actually recording my 100th episode. And to commemorate this event, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to actually fit the script. So today's guest is going to be myself, but the interviewer is going to be Scott Ramage of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast, and also the founder of the company who actually helps edit these podcasts to ensure that they sound very nicely. So Scott, thank you so much for uh, for being kind enough to, to donate your time to help reintroduce myself to the world.
1: Yeah, Ashley, this is so exciting. Your are um... It's been really fun watching you journey through like your very first episode, us being on the phone, talking about what that process looks like, and then watching your content because because my company does do all of your content. Watch it kind of flow for the last two, and a half, two plus years, really. And uh, it's exciting, man. And it's so crazy cool to watch a really niche podcast do what you're doing. And it's just been absolutely—it's been a blessing, quite honestly. It's—it's it's really fun, and and I get to I get to brag. You know, people are like, well, you know, why should I let? Uh, why should I bring my service to you? Because well, look at these people—they've been with me for this long, and they're they're happy. So of course, I get to brag on people like you who do an amazing job. So I appreciate what you're doing, man.
0: Yeah, this is uh, it's cool. You know, I couldn't have done it without that without your help and your company's help and uh I'll, i remember when i first started i was thinking man can i actually even come up with enough content for for sciatica and i really took a deep dive and realized that there's a lot out there that people can learn and take action on and i said you know what Why might as well uh run with it and really help as many people as possible you know, Funny thing is, is most people don't get past
1: episode 12. I believe the, the average for podcasts, they die at ap- episode 12. They never hit episode 13. I don't think it has anything to do with superstition. I just think people think it's going to be this amazing thing and then don't realize the work that's involved. And even if you are paying somebody to do all the stuff, you still have to come up with topics. You have to come up with guests. You have to come up with the content. And it, it it's a it's a little bit of a grind. It's a, it's a labor of love for sure. And uh, to be at a hundred episodes is truly puts you in a very, very, very top tier of podcasters. I know that sounds crazy because we all look at podcasts like, Oh, they have a thousand episodes and Joe Rogan has 1800 or whatever it is. And I'm like, I've been doing this for like 10 years, man. (laughs) You know, and, but, but really it is at the very top percent. So first of all, huge congratulations to you and, First of all, how does it feel to be the number one in the sciatica podcast category or space?
0: It's, it's a really cool feeling. I think initially um, when, uh, I mean, even just in the rise of cre- yeah, what we'll say creator-based content, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, there's already so many people out there in the space d- sharing rehabilitation, pain management type of stuff. And I thought, man, am I too late to the game? So, with that being said, I I was thinking about, okay, let me go ahead and be hyper focused. There's so many other physical therapists and so many other people who actually provide some really great content out there, and I'm a huge consumer of them as well. But I said, why not focus on just this one specific topic? Because I truly believe that I know a lot more. Uh, or yeah, so I can share it with the world. And it felt really exciting to be able to get to number one, because I've never experienced number one before. I mean, like uh, uh, maybe, maybe I've won a couple of participation hobbies, maybe one number one in the heat that uh, of the race that I won, but being number one, where you just search a specific term, I've never been that. So it's a very, very cool feeling.
1: Yeah. And it's really changing. I mean, Podcasts are still young, right? Like, so you're, you're kind of paving a new path in an area that really is not really touched. And so you, you kind of are pioneering like the specificity that you can get in a specific to- podcast topic and then have proven for it to be wildly successful. A hundred episodes, that's just the tip of the iceberg. All the other things that can be, Attributed to each episode, right? Are you tracking your episodes? Like, how did you know, oh my gosh, I'm coming up on 100? And how was that feeling?
0: Well, I think a large part of it was, ba- I mean, luckily with your company, because every time I would produce an episode, I would say episode number. And all of a sudden I got into the 90s. I was thinking, holy moly, I'm going to the 100th episode. And, um, I was really surprised because I really never thought that I would be able to come up with this many topics. And I think one of the biggest learning experiences through podcast producing is the fact that yes, although I am an expert, I think that there are so many other people who are in the same space of trying to help. And it actually opened up my eyes to the other professions that are out there of people who are there to actually help people who are dealing with sciatica pain. And so rather than me focus on, okay, well, it's gonna be the Ashley Mack show, let me go ahead and, sit and and look at it in a way where everyone or the people who are listening are suffering from sciatica pain. How can I serve them the best, right? And I realize that I can serve them better where yes, I am there to be able to provide the information, but also provide the medium in regards to they they could be introduced to these other professionals. A lot of people may have heard a couple of things about chiropractic care, but they were probably pretty scared because they've heard horror stories. But the great news is the fact that sciatica uh, chiropractic care can be helpful for people with sciatica if they go to the right chiropractor. Same thing with the right physical therapist. And so it is important for them to understand that there are. One, there's a multitude of topics that we talk about, but also number two, there's an endless amount of providers that are out there whose sole purpose is to help people get out of pain. And I thought another part, another purpose, I guess, mission of this podcast was to be able to say there are other opportunities out there for you to recover.
1: As I was going through... All the topics you've covered, and I have been listening to your podcast. By the way, not just before this, I actually, yeah, I actually sure. am a listener of the podcast. One, I'm very interested. To you know, your clients, so it's always it's always interesting. To kind of check in, see how someone's doing. But my wife's a physical therapist. I was like, how does a physical therapist do a podcast? And so for me, it was like this little personal journey of like, how did, how is this done? But your your variety of content or topics are all pointing. Towards sciatica, but then they stretch out to pain management. They stretch out to healthcare, like this, some really big things in our in our society right now. And like, there's a few questions here that you don't know. I'm going to ask. I'm so lucky. Good, good luck. First of all, I'm ready. Do you know basically or around about numbers about how many people in the world or in the U.S., whichever one you might know, suffer from sciatica
0: at now or at some point in their life? I think the incidence. Uh, which uh, a great question. I don't know the exact number, but I know what is called the incidence. And so what that means is the incidence is going to be the occurrence in someone's lifetime. And so it it looks from what I've seen, it looks like the incidence of like the percentage of people in at least the U.S., you're looking at 40 percent of adults have at some point in their life experienced sciatica. So that's literally like four out of every 10 people. That's a that's a large amount.
1: That's very significant, very significant. And we all know that 10 out of 10 people suffer from pain. And is it is it safe to say that when you're doing things, when you're applying some of the things that you and your guests talk about around sciatica specifically, that's also going to be a positive impact on other, will that actually help you reduce pain and, and suffering in other parts of your body?
0: Absolutely. Um, because although the, the, we'll say that the, the mechanism is the cause of the pain, the source of the pain, uh, may be different from someone who's dealing with sciatica compared to someone who's dealing with shoulder pain or, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, the chemical processes and how the brain works, uh, in regards to, in, in response to pain is all the same. And so, it is important for us to be able to take these principles. And this is how, how I treat my other patients as well, because yes, I focus primarily on low back pain and sciatica, but I actually just finished working with a person who had carpal tunnel syndrome and this is another person who had neck pain. And it's all based on the same principles in regards to focusing on the activities, stretches or exercises that actually reduce your pain avoiding or modifying those activities that actually increase your pain or make your pain worse. And then number three is actually establishing a plan to get back into function. And that's it's a very simplistic uh, way of thinking, but it's a very effective way because when we start to get extremely complicated, it gets it gets challenging to solve problems. And with every with every uh, we'll say service that focuses on problem solving, you'll notice that the best in the business are actually focusing primarily on some very key principles and that can be applied across all ranges. And so, um, yeah, in in short, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when you're talking about subjects such as healthcare and disability insurance and uh, let's see, just general pain, like you even have one, the vegan lifestyle and sciatica pain, um, all of these things, they all bring up this major issue or thing that we are really needing to pay more attention to. And that's a, a proactive approach to our own healthcare. Do you feel like that's like the kind of like an overarching thing that you are talking about here?
0: I think it's a definitely a component of it. Uh, ultimately it's, it's a, I'm going to use a, an interesting reference. It was like, um, if you ever go on like, Google and just say how do I treat X Y and Z? The first que- the first response, they'll say the best way to treat this is to not get it at all, <laughs> right? And I think it's it's a very valid response. It's like of course you're gonna if you don't experience it at all, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be having these tr- troubles. But the reason why you're searching for answers is because you're already in the problem to begin with. And so to say that is actually very unfortunate. It's a, it's I, I feel like it's a very patronizing thing. Um, where, uh, if I use that term correctly, because it's like, of course, I think I didn't. And, and I think that's one of the challenges, especially with our health. Um, if we open up a business, if we start a podcast, right, it's a, it's a choice. We choose to do this for the most part. No one, I, I think, like for the entirety of it, no one ever chooses to be in pain. I think we choose to put ourselves through hardships so we can get stronger, get become more resilient. But the end result of injury, pain, nerve issues, that is not our desired response. And so by the time that people come to listen to this podcast, they're already in the depths, they're already experiencing this problem. And it, In one, I use it as a way to say, okay, here are these things that we should be looking at. And then once you are free from this issue of sciatica, let's move on to the bigger picture. Let's solve this number one dream of you just trying to get rid of your pain. And then from there, continue on because there's a whole life that you can live. This episode is brought to you by the Patient Advocate Program. Are you tired of not having support between your rehab sessions? Introducing the Patient Advocate Program. We're focused on your recovery and we're offering you 24 seven access to a doctorate of physical therapy. Stop waiting in line to be seen and stop spending hours doing long exercise programs. Imagine being able to get all of your care delivered straight to your phone. Best of all, it's affordable. We believe everyone deserves top notch relief without breaking the bank. So why wait, take control of your health today and and visit ptpatientadvocate.com and book your free call with our experts that's so funny
1: that you bring that up because it, it immediately uh struck up the saying you know the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago the second best time is now and that that saying is always irritatingly. i'm like damn it i haven't i haven't planted the tree why are you telling me this but i i totally understand what you're saying so let's let's kind of um swing back to the 100 episodes. If this is episode 100, 100, I'm thinking, um, that means you've got 99 under your belt. But what is the one or what are you most proud of over that span of time? It could be an episode, it could be an event or an outcome, whatever it is. I'd love to hear that.
0: Um, I'm actually really most proud of the fact that I kept up with it. Um, As you said, it's a lot of work. And I have written things before if you uh listeners if you've been to my website i literally just have like a blog every single day pretty much monday through friday um but i've tried social media facebook and instagram and to be totally honest for me personally i never i really enjoyed it being a consumer but i never really enjoyed it using as a platform for my voice because truth be told especially when you're dealing with pain management it is important for us to actually focus on a little bit longer, long-form content, and it's hard to actually get the principles that I talk about in these podcasts across in thirty-second to one-minute clips. And so, I think one of the biggest things is as I was trying to figure out, I'm like, "Man, how am I going to create all this content, or how am I going to come up with these episodes?" I was, a, I was really glad I was able to stick with it. But also, number two, I was really uh, proud of the fact that these episodes of this podcast has actually helped people i remember even at the beginning thinking all right well i'm going to create this free content and um let's see if people who listen to it and i was really amazed that people actually listened to it and took action and it actually was helpful
1: yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. How long do you think it took you before you kind of you know you're putting content out? And it's kind of an act of just faith. You're, you're like, I hope this is falling on ears, and in, in fact, in the beginning, it falls on your friends and family's ears. Right? They're they're supporting you, and then it gains it gains steam. And obviously, you're doing the work on the on writing a, a blog every day or a newsletter or whatever that goes into your website, which absolutely helps. But what was that moment? you're like whoa oh wow this is the moment i get it this is making a difference do you remember that moment
0: uh i think well i think there's there's two moments um one was early on probably about six months into the podcast i started having people actually speak with me about my podcast saying hey i've listened to your podcast it's really helpful and i think from uh from just a organization standpoint it was exciting to have people actually interact because by the time i By the time people end up having conversations with me, they listen to these episodes. It was actually really exciting because it felt like they knew me, (laughs) which I thought was very, very cool, but I just got a chance to know them. So I thought that was um, extremely special, and I was kind of amazed that that was the case. And then the second part of it is this: uh, the, the platform I use to host this podcast is Red Circle. And one of the really cool things is the fact that you can actually measure Uh, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis of actually people who listen to you. And so I think the last time I checked, we're kind of hovering around 600 weekly listeners, which I was really surprised because of the fact that that tells me that there's 600 people, at least every single week who are listening to these episodes, which are 25 to 45 minutes in length. And I'm really amazed that people stay on and listen to that. And truly believe and agree that i have something or a guest that i'm meeting with have something important to say and it's that in itself is huge too so being able to have those metrics but also having these conversations that i have with people by the time they listen to the podcast and speak with me yeah it's all it's a real
1: interesting experience to be out there kind of like bearing all this information and there's like literally zero feedback at the time. You're, you're talking, you're hoping it lands on somebody, and then you get this message, or you get this call, or you get. I've experienced that. It's been it's it's quite surreal, quite honestly. I've actually met someone in Oregon when I was traveling. He's like, I I'm I, I feel like I'm talking to somebody super famous. I'm really nervous. I'm like, What's like I'm the biggest nerd, you yeah. know. And you probably feel that way too. You're like, yeah. I'm just I'm just this guy.
0: Every time,
1: and if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Trying to do this stuff, but it, you know when you put yourself on a platform, that happens. Um, but six hundred downloads a week, just just in in the sense of podcasting, that is literally saying, "Hey, I'm going to host a meeting every week." And I'm going to put out, you know, 600 chairs. Can you, just like, I want, I want the listeners to understand the impact and you to understand this, especially you, Ashley. I want you to understand the impact of it. I'd fill the room with six. That's a lot of freaking chairs. And, and every week, the, you're, you're sold out. Every week. That's insane. And I learned that at a podcast convention I was at and they're like, Hey, look, if you have a hundred people listening, stop beating yourself up over it. That's a hundred people literally dedicating their time to you. So congratulations on that. Um, over the, over the hundred episodes, what's been the biggest surprise for you?
0: I think the biggest surprise is, um, one, I, I, I think the biggest surprise is the fact that I have 600 listeners. I'm sitting there reading this stuff thinking who's listening to this who's actually even paying attention to what i'm saying and i think it's i mean one it could be imposter syndrome but also number two this is a digital piece of information and there's so many there's like 14 million articles about sciatica already so as i'm going into this i'm thinking well what makes me so special why are these why why are you listeners listening to me And, and so i was really amazed by the fact that, um, I happen to have come up with things that are actually quite compelling. I think that's, that is really exciting. And I think it's really based on the fact that, um, I have listened to every single conversation I've had with people dealing with sciatica pain. I've done the research and seeing what are the biggest issues that, sciatica pain sufferers are going through let me go ahead and talk about those really relevant and important questions that aren't being answered in the university hospital's website and i look at this stuff and i think all right i need to take a deeper dive into these subjects because no one else is so i guess the second part of that i was really amazed about the sense of purpose that i ended up developing over these episodes because i'm looking at it saying No one else is talking about it in the way that we're sharing, not only from an information standpoint, but being able to give people action. I think that's the most important part, because if I don't give people action, I'm no no better than any of the 14 million articles that are out there, right? And so being able to share that with the world, that was an exciting thing, a surprise, all of it.
1: Why do you think there's gaps in this? Do you think that the medical system, in general, the people writing those articles it, are not listening? They're, they don't. They're not seeing these things. Is it because it's so um, clinically based instead of real life based? Which I feel like podcasts and kind of how you tapped into the audience and those out there suffering with sciatica is is real life. Like there's zero barrier, zero barrier of entry. Okay, I have sciatica pain. What can I do? You do a search, boom, leads you to your website, leads you to your your podcast, and it's like, oh, free information. Do you feel like there's there's this um, like educational clinical approach that is maybe missing pieces?
0: I think it's a, a couple components. I think number one, um, you know, let's premise with the concept of healthcare. Um, now, I took a deep dive into the healthcare industry of various different countries, but um, and I think one of the things that allows the U.S. healthcare system to be the uh, giant that it is, but it still has its pitfalls. But really, like if you turn, if you look at healthcare as a business, the reality is the fact that if you fix the person, you're technically losing a client. Right. And so what ends up happening is I'm looking at it as, all right, let me give you just a little, a mood boost, right? Not even an appetizer. It's just something to get wet your beak so you can actually book an appointment. And the reality is that they're all very surface level things. And I look, uh, when I say surface level, as in like, okay, you know, here are these like three stretches. It's like oftentimes it's like bent, it's like a child's pose, cat, cow, and then cobra press up but the reality with that scenario is the fact that if you have a herniated disc child's pose forward bend is actually going to make it worse a go cobrapressive is actually going to make it feel better and so what ends up happening is that I imagine that the the person who experiences sciatica, goes to this website and they're like, they do these stretches and they're like, I'm not getting any better. Let me go ahead and start booking a session, right? And so it ends up being very challenging. It's kind of like a way to, to get to that. I think that's number one. Number one is just like the overall state of the industry is the fact that like it, it's a business, right? And so they need to be able to get the, the patients and clients um, and keep them there as long as possible, right? Um, I think number two is that um, it's this concept of, Looking at pain management healthcare as an art, I do believe it's an art. You have to take the various different data points and then create something, create a specific plan. But that art has to have some sort of structure and principle. And a lot of healthcare practitioners believe that they are the um, the chosen one, and that like no one else knows their information, so they're going to keep it to themselves. Which means that there aren't enough people who will actually be able to break past the surface, share more in-depth information, more actionable information and fix these people right on the spot rather than saying, okay, you have to come into the clinic and see me. So I think those are the two components, uh, which is unfortunate. I think it's, um, that and one of the big things that i've learned is the fact that there's are there's going to be people who can truly afford healthcare uh and there and there are those people who can't and so the the folks who can afford they can you know they'll they'll benefit they'll actually um get fixed but then the folks who can't necessarily afford it it becomes very very challenging because they have to figure out um paying my rent or getting the food for the family or make it so i can come and see someone so i can actually feel better and that in itself started to make me look at healthcare as an industry from like a whole systemic aspect and and, and really opened up my eyes.
1: Did you find a country or a, a healthcare system in which you think in your opinion, of course, we're in p- opinion world here, but from your research that is is doing it better? I heard just last week in a podcast that there is some country that actually the, the medical professionals don't get paid until the person is actually and this—it it was in a podcast, so it could be not real. But they actually don't really get reimbursed until the person is free from pain or free from their affliction or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's called uh, value-based care, and I think that there's some evolutions of that happening here in the U.S. Um, I haven't gotten to that part of the book where um, I learned about another country who's done value-based care, but it's a very uh, it's a very popular topic amongst uh, the healthcare industry because. Yeah, I think um, in a way, it's like, should you be paid for the good work that you do? Absolutely. Are there going to be cases where people's scenarios are actually quite complicated? And it's going to have to take a little bit longer. Medicine itself, it's it's tough. The evolution of medicine, it, it wasn't until probably the 1940s, like World War II, where medicine, like the medical professions, got paid like the way they are now And actually, it's interesting because the pay for medical professionals are starting to decline because insurance companies are starting to yeah. lower it, too. But um, it's, it's really interesting. What I've observed is the fact that, like, let's say um, it's either high cost, high uh, clinician payout or low cost, low clinician payout. Like I haven't. Or, and then if you try to get into the middle, um, at that point, you're looking at long wait times. Right, And so when you're dealing with long wait times, that means that you're probably going to be seeing increased opioid use, more medications, you're kind of delaying the inevitable. So I have yet to find a country that allows people to be able to access the quality health care that they need um, while, also not necess- uh, while also not going bankrupt as well. It's, it's really interesting. I think uh, the smaller countries, it makes sense. It, it's, it's a challenge because the U.S. is such a big, diverse nation. And you also have various different laws and reimbursements on a state by state level. So it ends up being extremely hard. And I know that one of the big things out here in the U.S. is the administrative costs are so high. And um, there's a lot of technological advancements in the um, startup space, like reducing that cost, which I think is helpful. But, uh, but I think there's another big portion of it. And I've talked about this on my podcast and um, the sciatica protocol is actually one of the examples is being able to deliver good quality care at the fraction of the cost without raising the cost or without negatively impacting uh, the professionals as well. And it all goes on to the, the aspect of clinicians. We were originally taught a specific system on how to treat people. But what ends up happening is that the system, um, just like anything else, when we build a system, we have to run through it and see what needs to be fixed. There are some people in the uh, physical therapy world where they're like, okay, here's a system. They have sciatica pain. I'm going to give them the system for this sciatica pain issue is these 13 different exercises. That's the system. It's like, you have yeah, pain. Do these 13 different exercises. And then what ends up happening is that you've evolved. Well, as or as a clinician, you should be evolving. And then literally what ends up happening is that, okay, here's a system, you have this pain, I'm gonna look at these 35 different things, but the system doesn't really quite know how to handle all these data points. So then I'm just gonna do kind of a shotgun approach and see what happens. And then you look at the third approach, which is the way that I operate and the way that I find that the best providers operate is saying, okay, here are these three specific principles that we need to work on. What makes you feel better? What makes you feel worse? Let's create a plan, and then you build your treatment or your program based off of that, and that leads to improved outcomes, reduce costs, and reduce suffering.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome, and what a what a challenging topic. Like we could go down a very deep hole talking about healthcare, and oh yeah, I, I mean I I just learned. A few things from you, and you start to peel back the the layers of the onion, and it it's like a never ending onion. So, um, speaking of challenging, what's been the most challenging case you've covered over the
0: last couple of years? I think the bit, the hardest challenge is, um, and let's just talk about like remote, yeah, uh, remote works specifically because I live out in Marin County, and actually do see people in person in Marin County, California. But I think one of the most challenging things is um, I was working with this one client and it was we were probably working together for about two to three sessions. And I think that the most challenging part was trying to get a better understanding of the pain that they were going through. And unfortunately, they weren't the greatest communicator. And I think that's the most important aspect of. Pain management is communication, and I learned like in like so. I'm going to say not the greatest communicator. It was really hard to actually get the information out of them to actually understand what was going on. And so from there, this person was saying, "Actually, I'm not getting any better, but it doesn't make sense for me to say you're not telling me what I need to do need to." So I think that was um, I mean that was not a successful uh treating case however a big learning portion of it is me going back and thinking how could i've created an environment where i was able to get the information that i needed and in some cases it is a little challenging especially when you're doing it remotely because i'm not there putting my hands on you i think that there's a large value in being able to put your hands on someone and it's yes it could be from a placebo standpoint but also number 2 i think it's important to actually create a connection and I think that for the most parts, 90, 95% of the time, I can actually establish a great connection via Google or zoom, just like what we're doing right now. But then there are some cases where people actually do need to have that hands-on like that person, that in-person energy. And that actually shows like during the pandemic, right? How important it was for us to actually have human contact.
1: Yeah. That communication part, because you can't put your hands on, say, is it here? Is it here? And someone's like, well, our own self-awareness of Wear something in our body, I, like that's got to be super challenging. And then communication, holy moly! Like I know, you know, I talk to a lot of coaches. We serve coaches, we serve business owners, and if I could just get the person to tell me something, I could actually help them. They're they're paying me, however, <laughs> I'm not I'm not a mind reader, and that that's got to be incredibly difficult. All right, look, we're we're uh, let's wrap this up. I have I have uh, one more question I want to make sure I ask because you you now in completed 100 episodes what's going to happen over the next 100 episodes what are you looking forward to
0: i'm really excited to um well, now I feel like with 100 episodes, I have a little bit more, um, we'll say, clout in the uh, the pain management community. So, what I'm really excited for is being able to interview some of the really big names in uh, in the pain management space. So, I'm talking about some of the leading surgeons, some of the leading spinal interventionalists, um, these doctors. One, but then also number two, interview some of the bigger names um, from a research standpoint as well. There's a there's a gentleman. His name is Dr. Stuart McGill. He's based out of uh, Canada. And he was like the founding father of low back pain research. And so the majority of low back pain articles are actually from him. And what's really interesting is the fact that I'm reading his book right now. And this is a first time like I've learned his concepts, but I remember reading his, like reading his book and I read it at night and I'm thinking, I'm literally saying the same thing that he's saying. And it's great because I'm seeing it and it's like, it's a confirmation. And so it, challenged, it encouraged me to read more. So I'm excited to really interview those folks, but also we, I have a lot, um, some really exciting success stories, um, of the clients I've been working with over the past couple months. And so I'm really excited to share their journey because truth be told listeners, you're not alone in suffering with this pain and you don't have to suffer. And there are people like myself and like the other folks who I interview and also the people, maybe even your community are there to actually help you and, it won't like nothing will happen unless you do something about it. And the fact that you are in fact listening to these episodes and that I have a hundred episodes, that means that you guys are doing something, which is going to be, you know, taking action or just getting some sort of value from the information I'm putting out.
1: Yeah. It's, it's incredibly exciting. I can't wait to see where you're at in another year. I know it's going to be um, pretty amazing and just want to encourage you one, you're making a big difference because, you know, you have to understand that there's, there's churn in podcasting, so the fact they have 600 kind of on average means that somebody might be feeling better because of what you what you've said to them. They're moving on um, in their life. They're like goodbye sciatica. I don't want to know anything about that anymore. And then there's new people, and you like number one. But you've also barely scratched the surface. You're talking about 40. percent You barely scratch the surface. So that means that there's so many exciting things to come, and it's going to be so. It's, it's still going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be so much less work to get those really big names on your podcast because you have that. Like, look, I've been doing this. I'm doing it for a long run. I'm someone that is heard. And that's a, incredibly exciting. I'm really excited for you. Thank you for sharing with the world what what uh, is making a big impact. I really appreciate you for that.
0: Absolutely. I uh, I couldn't do it without you and the the company to help make sure that these podcasts um, end up being as nice as they should. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the future. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast and for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.